You know, I've always loved the description of the Proverbs 31 woman where it says, and she smiles at the future. It's such a beautiful attribute when you can look toward the future and smile. And every Christian can. You know, there are some things about the future, of course, that should make us weep, like the plight of the unsaved, right? And the outcome of life for the lost. But when we think about our future in the Lord, you know, I was in Mississippi recently, as I talked about in the last podcast, and my friend uh, Dustin was was driving me somewhere down the street, and he he was oblivious to this because we were fellowshipping, but I was looking out the window, and and the sun was, I think, maybe setting, and there's beautiful light, and it was it was on this forest. It was just an, a real idyllic kind of a scene, and I just, in an instant, envisioned eternity mm. and, and the undeniable reality that we are going to be with mm. the Lord forever in the new heavens and the new earth. And I just, I, my eyes just teared up. It was like this overwhelming, like, gift from the Lord at that moment. Like, I'm going to, you know, we get so, we forget about that. We go about life. We're we're going to be in eternity with the Lord. I was recently radically refreshed at a regional Starbucks. And it wasn't just from the strawberry lemonade refresher that I consumed, but it was by the brave, courageous, and extremely unique barista? Barista? Barista. Barista. Oh. Even the males are called barista? Yeah, barista. I have it's not Spanish. It's not. Yeah, I will it's... call him a barista. Anyway, I was sitting there minding my own business, working on my beautiful new Mac and other things. Worship. When all of a sudden these young boys walked in, teenagers, I don't know, 16, 17, something like that. And one of them had his arms full of all kinds of stuff, like potato chips and a bunch of stuff. And he walks in and his friend goes, what are you doing, man? Why don't bring that stuff in here? And he goes, man, give me my backpack. And bleepity bleep, 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 bleep. They were talking in bleeps? Yes. Well, first the one guy came in, one guy and he was cussing. Uh, He's on his phone or something. And and the, the barista behind the counter goes, hey, don't use foul language in here. Like really bold. And this guy wasn't like big or buffer. He was just a regular Caucasian guy, you know. And then the other guy walks in with all this stuff, whatever. And he goes, hey, I want you out of here with that stuff. I want you to go right now. And one of the other guys had already gone in the bathroom. He goes, he knocks on the door, boom, 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 boom. Hey, I want you out right now, right now. The guy says, oh, no, I mean, I don't care. Right now, I'm going to call security, you know. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Anyway, the guy comes out. No, I want you out of here. Right? He's like, man, my heart is racing. You're making my heart beat. He's all, that's fine. Get out right now. Anyway, they leave. And I go, I go, excuse me, I just got to tell you something, man. This was extremely refreshing. And another guy was in there. He goes, amen to that, you know. And I just said, you know, you just don't see that kind of thing anymore. He goes, yeah, you know, he's all, you know, the, the barista. He goes, you know, Starbucks. Barista. So he goes, Starbucks, you know, they got this whole, you know, the customer's always right thing. And he's kind of like, they're, yeah, they, they passed the thing where their homeless people are allowed to use the bathrooms without buying drinks. Yeah. It's like a thing in there. Yeah. So anyway, this guy was like, I said, man, that is so refreshing to see. He said, yeah, these kids go over there. They go to Target. They steal a bunch of stuff. Oh, wow. He said, and they come over here and they start doing all their, their stuff and cussing and doing that. And throw. He said, no, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not going to take that. I, I, I was just so blown away. I said, man, thank you. I gave him some tracts. I gave him a $20 bill. Mm. He was like, man, thank you. I said, you need to be promoted. And it was so refreshing to see because, again, it's 
the culture that we're living in the midst of today is going in the exact opposite direction of that. I mean, he would have been seen as a villain rather than, sure. hey, this guy's protecting his customers from this foul language. This yeah. isn't a place for that. He, he's, you know, he's trying to stop his establishment that he's hired to work at. I don't think he makes that much money, but he cared enough to protect it from, you know, these hoodlums coming in and doing that. There's a double whammy there. I was absolutely taken by the anecdote. Anecdotes are so powerful. When you share an experience like that, I was seeing it all in my mind. And it's, mm. it's just the power of words. I love it. Yeah. And I love the way Spurgeon said, use anecdotes in your preaching. Any preacher that fails to use anecdotes will remain forever a river of ice flowing down upon his congregation. Ooh, <laughs> that that's good. good. Oh, I like rivers of ice, so cold plunge. <laughs> yes. Here we go. Oh, give boy. me, give me, give me what cold have I, plunge, plunge, What have plunge. I done? Every time I have a shower now, I'm thanking God I don't have to do what you do. Oh, man. <laughs> I did it today. Oh, yes. Are you? I, I did 15 minutes yesterday in the pool and then oh. contrast shower. I did a contrast shower this morning. I do the contrast shower. I won't do it in the pool. Oh, please. Are you Mark, doing it too? Mark, a wimp. I really want to come to your house so I could contrast dunk from your pool to your hot tub because I don't have the hot tub. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to go into your sauna. I want to go into your indoor, indoor. indoor um, uh, 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 gym. I want to go into your maid's quarters. Yeah. How do we get here? I don't know. No, I, I took don't my car. We were, uh, we my Mazda in. six today <laughs> brought me here. Uh, yeah. So anyway, but guys, isn't that is that does that encourage you? Yeah, to see really. Someone? I think it's wonderful. Stand for righteousness. I yeah. was discouraged that you were at a Starbucks, but yo, because you love Starbuckies. Uh, I mean. I mean, Starbucks has its faults, but at least they don't hallucinate about <laughs> silly flavors cake pops. that don't exist. Uh, what city were you in? Easy. Where was that at? Costa Mesa. Oh. Baker. Oh, I probably shouldn't give the location. <laughs> Never mind. That's what it sounds like when we edit something out. <laughs> so easy. That was a cool sound. Anyway, friends, here's a comment. Ooh, I forgot to put who it's from. Oh, no, I have it right here. You'll mix it up anyway. <laughs> okay, this is from It's a Me Mario. It's a Me, it's a me Mario. <laughs> Wait, is that a thing? That's it's how it goes. a Me Mario. <laughs> that is how it goes. What's that from? From uh, Mario, Super Mario Brothers. Oh, It's a Me Mario. Mario. Uh, where has this podcast been my whole life? Wow. Question mark, exclamation mark. I'm so grateful for these guys. They have become my friends, and they don't even know it. Love the way they share God's word and share their own struggles and revelations that they have had in their walk with Christ. Love it. Thank you all so much. And who is that by? It's, it's a me, me Mario. Why do Italians like do us and stuff as they're talking? Hey, uh, what are you doing? That was racist. <laughs> that was racist. There go all of our Italian listeners. All no, right. How dare he? All right, friends. This podcast is brought to you by... Uh, the flip book for life. Ray, where did you get that idea? Did I give you that idea? No. Probably. <laughs> no, I saw it. I saw it on I saw it on YouTube where some guy was flipping through a flip book that he had that he had drawn and he That's had right. something like twenty eight million now views. Now I remember. Twenty eight yes. million views. And I watched it with fascination because in today's high tech society it's amazing to see something that's so simple. Yeah. Just a flip book. Yeah. There's nothing special it about is it. Really? I mean that and is it comes kinda... alive when you flip through yeah. it. I mean, that's sort of the precursor to animations, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, in a sense. And then they figured out a way to do it. And you guys, seriously, do you guys ever get blown away? No. <laughs> <laughs> Depends where you live. By movies, like especially animations. Yeah, you absolutely. It's that man can create that. Yeah. I was recently uh, 
watch i love those videos where they have artists that they do like time lapse and they, yeah. they're doing like clay stuff and and i was watching one and i teared up as i watched it because i'm like what evidence is that that man is made in the image of god you know i mean that's beautiful work of art that looks so realistic made by the hands of a person well, remember we went to i think it was the sony lot where we had uh that individual who oversaw the uh the hair Oh, on the movie yes. um, Cloudy no. with a Chance of Meatballs. Yes, yes right. Yes, that's and right. So we did a tour. He did some stuff for us. He did. Some oh. He's a great brother. Yeah, yeah. we remember his name. Um, and he had said, if you see a celebrity, you can't say hi to him. That's the rule. There, yeah, that huh? was the rule. You can't walk right by. And then Eddie and I we were walking along. And Eddie goes, "Hey, Adam Sandler just walked right by us." Wow. Yeah. Should have asked him if he wanted to shoot some hoop. <laughs> Let's do it right now. It, it doesn't sound right when you say it. <laughs> hey, you want to shoot some hoop? Hey, you want to shoot some hoop? <laughs> hey, uh, sir, would you like to shoot, shoot some the hoop? hoop with me? <laughs> Excuse me, kind sir, would you like to shoot yeah. some basketballs? The, the, I wonder what the celebrities think of that. They walk around, no one says anything to them. Oh, they, they don't love me. I'm just so nobody loves me anymore. <laughs> Remember we went, to, we went to England for our fourth season, we went to London, and yeah. our director said to the group that were there, don't bother Ray, and I was by myself for all the time. Were you bothered that you weren't bothered? That, I was bothered. I wanted to say hi to people. They walked 20 paces behind me. It was just <laughs> weird. I know, Ray. You've been in some churches. You'll have security follow you around, and they'll like hardly let people get near you. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. We, it's weird. Very weird. Well, friends, the flip book for life. And don't forget the evidence study Bible at livingwaters.com. You know, it's been encouraging in some of the comments I've been seeing or people I run into. They've been like, I got the evidence study yeah. Bible. I got the." And we're so encouraged by that because we know you have a lot of great resources at your fingertips. So make sure yeah. to check it out. All right, guys, today's podcast is entitled Anxiety Attack. <gasps> You're getting anxiety attack? Yes. Right? Not an original title, by the way. Our pastor did a series years ago and had that title, and I liked pastor it. Pastor Phil. Yeah. Yep. Philip DeCorsi. Make sure to check out kindredchurch.org. Wonderful church, huh, Marsh? You know, I got an Uber on the way back from the airport the other day, coming back from Minnesota, and I started a conversation with the Uber driver, and... I said, yeah, Pastor Phil over in uh, Kindred Community Church. He's, oh, I love Pastor Phil. Phil, he was the senior pastor, and he named a different church that oh, he wow. did not um, pastor at. But he said, yeah, he gave me some really great advice for my first divorce when I was going <laughs> 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 like, ay, 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 ay. Oh, boy. Yeah. My first um, Yeah. So, guys, I, you know what? I am seriously shaking from a sugar high right now. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about the oh, yeah. carb sugar seriously, bomb that's I'm in like the room? Shaking. I see. Your hand, friends, your hand was actually shaking. I saw it. Yeah. We uh, uh, there is there's a group of uh, members of Kindred Community Church just down the streets. The church that that Mark and Easy and a few other uh, employees here at Living Waters attend, and they as a group sponsor or adopt missionaries. And a part of that, they felt called and led to adopt Living Waters as a, as a missionary outreach. And so they support the ministry financially, they support the ministry through prayer, and now they're supporting the ministry through carbohydrates. <laughs> they brought, I don't know, $200 worth of oh, like, just four, baked man. good a lot. Yeah. and candy. Yeah, and I'm on a, I'm dieting, and I'm like, I, you know, I do this uh, intermittent fasting, so I don't eat all day, and this is the first thing I ate, and that's all I have in my system oh, right now, so I'm like, eh. so that's if I talk the, fast. Which is how you normally are, actually. That's going to be worse. I'm going to be like that squirrel on Ice Age. Squirrel. <laughs> all right, friends, anxiety tag. Guys, I'm going to open us up with this really cool quote by Henry Ward Beecher. Ooh. Every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of it with the handle of anxiety or the handle of faith. 
Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. That good? That's great. That's good. Every tomato has how many what? <laughs> Every tomato has galgoogies, whatever those are. Just ruins it. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that, right? Galgoogies. I'm I'm really glad that we're talking about this subject because I think anxiety is a unfortunate mark of our modern lives. Mm. I know I've I've shared this uh, before, but I'm going to do it again because it, I think it's valuable here in Alan Noble's book. I can't remember the title of it, but I will tell you later. In Alan Noble's book, uh, We Become What We Are, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, he talks about zoocosis. And zoocosis is this thing that happens with uh, lions in the zoo. So what they do is they, they notice that a lion in a zoo, I'm sure you guys have seen a YouTube video of this, where the lion will pace back and forth yeah, of course. in front of the glass, right? Yeah. Well, zoologists would tell you that that is a, not a natural thing for a lion to do. Lions don't just pace back and forth. They don't waste energy in the wild. Oh. If, a, if a lion is moving in the wild, it's because he's hunting, he's mating, he's, he's fighting for social hierarchy, but they don't just waste energy. And so a zoologist would tell you that the lion is experiencing a type of anxiety. Now you have to stop and think about that. Think about the life that the lion is living. They've designed his habitat perfectly around him and for him. The zoologists know exactly how much protein and meat he needs to eat. They know the shrubbery that he's used to. They know the trees and the water and the shade and the heat. They've designed his habitat for him. The lion is the center of the habitat. And yet he's experiencing an anxiety Mm. because he knows that he's not living the life that a lion is meant to live, to be in the wild, to hunt, to, to be the king of the jungle, if you will. And so Alan Noble would say that we as human beings are now experiencing a type of zoocosis because anxiety and depression levels are on a high. And he points out that there, there's clinical anxiety. There's, there's anxiety to the highest level you know, you can you can experience anxiety attacks, for example. You can experience high levels of anxiety, but he points out that even if you move that aside, what he would say is ambient anxiety. Like the general levels of anxiety amongst our culture is just risen. And think about that. Like the zoologist, we have created a world with us at the center of it. We create... Uh, technologies on our phones to make our lives easier, to pull up information whenever we need it. We've got grocery stores that hand delivers us chopped meat. We don't have to go hunting for our prey. Everything we do in Western society is meant to make us live a life of comfort where we are at the center of it. And yet it's not working. 
we are experiencing a type of zucosis. Anxiety levels are on a high. And why, Alan Noble would say, is, is because we're not meant to be the center of our little mini universes, mm. that we are meant to, to play a different kind of role. And I can get into some of the solutions that he has here, but I think that that's valuable to talk about the kind of the status that we're in, that this life that we've tried to program for ourselves, it's not working. Yeah. You always seemed a little zoocotic to me. <laughs> That's fair. Um, that was really good. Yeah. No, it's true. And they've done different experiments where they'll take rats and they'll put them in an environment where there are a lot of rats and it intensifies the anxiety level for them. And then they just start devouring each other. They just yeah. go crazy. And you you look at that where there there are certain metropolis type areas where there are a lot of people, high population density and the, the anxiety that grows. And there just, there's so many interesting things like that. And when you live outside of what is natural and normal, you're not meant to be cramped as a person. And when we live under circumstances like the ones you described, Oscar, it, yeah, it begins to alter the way we function, the way we act, the things that we do. And it's not just being cramped. He would argue that like in, in Western society, even if you're not living in a major metropolitan area, God created us to, to toil and till the ground, for example, to have a relationship with the food that we eat, as an example, or to have a relationship with creation. He points out that like for most of human history, if you were going to go to the market, you would have gotten on a horse or gone on a walk and it might take you three or four days to get to that market to buy and sell food and then to go back to your home. What happens between that three or four day gap? They're not on social media. They're not, you know, tweeting. They are experiencing God's creation. Mm. They're spending time in meditation and contemplation and prayer. Maybe they brought their kids with them and they're, they're teaching and learning and communicating and communing. In other words, human beings had, God created us to have space and time with one another, with his creation, yeah. to have a relationship with the environment around us, with the food that we eat. And we have disconnected ourselves from that. Nowadays, again, you, most of the food that we eat is prepared for us. We don't have a relationship with with the world, with the ground, with the, the the things that we're supposed to, or, you know, you think about going on a hike. Even today, if you go on a hike and you find this beautiful waterfall, you think I should be disconnected from, from the creation of man and enjoying God's creation. But what happens when you get to that waterfall? Click, click, click. Yep, you start thinking, what filter should I use to post this on Instagram? <laughs> like you can't even experience the analog world without being affected by the digital experience of your mm. life. Yeah. Wow. No, that, that's that's some some good stuff. You know, we talked about fear in our last podcast and Ray and I were discussing the other day what what is the difference, right, between fear and anxiety? And spelling. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. But I checked. <laughs> yeah. But there are nuances for sure. This is anxiety. Here's a the dictionary definition of anxiety. A feeling of worry, nervousness, nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. I think, you know, anxiety can be this sort of low-grade nervousness, not so much about like a person. We talked in the other podcast about, you know, the fear of man or stuff like that, but but just, you know, worry. A good way to, to kind of maybe sum up anxiety is worry. We're worried about outcome. And a lot of times it's attached to the normal affairs of life, you know? Mm. Uh, it could be in the way of provision, your job, your career, success. It could be about your children and their well-being. It could be about your own health and what's going to happen to me. It could be about the future and world events. 
And like fear, as we had talked about, it has these, these crippling effects. And so, Ray, you obviously lived life before you came to know Christ, and you did a lot of different things. You had a business, and you uh, surfed a lot. I mean, even like surfing, I was thinking about that the other day. Did you have anxieties over like sharks or you know anything like that? Or no sharks or what? Other people, <laughs> not you. Right? No, definitely not. Bad taste. Yeah, I was just thinking when, I, uh, when Oscar was speaking about how everything's laid on for us. My childhood was extremely happy. We would build tree houses all around the neighborhood all the time. If there's a tree there, we'd build a tree house. Gave us something to do. It was creative. It was fun. It gave us a unity of spirit with the neighbors' yep. kids. And I don't think kids do that now. You just go on social media and whatever, and listen to some music. Man, when I, I've been so snubbed by so many because they're wearing those little earplugs with their phones as they mm. walk along at the local college. I say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I feel as I have to throw a little dynamite stick in front of them to get their attention because they're in another world. And it's a world that's killing creativity. Yeah, amen. Yeah, that, that is a, an interesting dynamic. I, I do wonder what the social impact will be of that long term because... It's rare anymore, just like it became rare a, a number of years ago to see anyone sitting around and not on their smartphone. It's it's becoming more and more rare to see people not walk around without earbuds in. Have you noticed that, Mark? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I remember uh, to something you said just prior. There was some sort of a celebrity that was uh, in tow right around, and everybody had their phones out trying to take pictures, except for one lady, an elderly lady, who was just leaning on the fence, just looking, mm. taking in the moment, right? I, I think that we can easily miss mm -hmm. what is happening around us by not taking in the moment. You know, mm. we, we need to seize that day. <laughs> for know, those who can't see us, Ray is currently taking pictures of Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new. Yeah. yeah. No, I... <laughs> I remember when we went to Israel, this was before there were really real smartphones. We had just flip phones <laughs> just, back just then. Just semi-smartphones. I don't even know if we could take pictures with our phones back then, but we, I actually had a video camera in my hand. No, you weren't, didn't take pictures with the phones. So you, <laughs> you had the video camera in your hand. If evolution was true, it would still be part of your hand. <laughs> 26 hours. hours of footage I took in Israel. What did we do with that footage? Uh, we used some of it. Here no, we didn't. Remember. We did. We used the ones of you getting spat on. That was we that talked from about in the last episode. Yeah. Oh, my apologies. See? Yeah. See? Yeah. What's the Mexican? Yeah. But what, what was cool is seven months later, I went to Israel again uh, on a trip that was already pre-planned, and I didn't touch a camera. It was wonderful because I had already gotten all the footage I wanted. So Yeah, and it was great. Now, how many hours footage did you get of the trash strike in Jerusalem? Uh, that 9,800 <laughs> hours? Just crazy. Yeah, that was a big trash strike. I was strike. trying to get your attention. You're filming all this trash trashy, on the side trashy, of the road. Trashy. Ray, things <laughs> must be documented. One day this will all be important. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, are you anxious, Oscar, to say something? Yeah. No. Uh, no, I was just thinking because you guys are talking about our phones and I think you said it easy in regard. Oh no, the idea of just like walking up to people and they have their earbuds in, and I think that's that adds to the problem. You know, it's funny because we we don't want to be anxious, and so we we look for ways of not being anxious, but we actually dive deeper and deeper into greater anxiousness. It's like a snowball effect. One of the ways that you don't want to be anxious is by keeping yourself busy, but busyness 
increases your anxiousness. You know, when someone sits down and they have a moment in a waiting room, they have an anxious, they, they start to feel anxious because they're, they're wasting time. They're there. They don't know what to do. And so they grab their phones. You were just talking about not having your phone in front of a, in a waiting room. We need our phones. People can't go to the bathroom without their phones. People can't walk through I can't their- I can go to the bathroom without my phone. <laughs> people can't walk through their campus without their phones. Right. You know, our, our minds weren't meant to- always be moving, always be looking and consuming content and looking things up. Like it's just, we, we keep ourselves busy. It reminds me of a, of a poem, which I know I've quoted here before, but it's by W.H. Auden. He wrote it in the 1940s and it's called The Age of Anxiety. It's been talked about, won a Pulitzer Prize. And in this poem, he, he predicted that, that modernity would be met with anxiousness because we are always keeping ourselves busy. And so one of my favorite moments- I don't know what modernity is. Uh, our modern age, where okay. we live today. Oh, modern. Modern Eddie. <laughs> Eddie Roman? <laughs> One of my favorite moments in the poem, it goes, it, it says, uh, faces along the bar cling to their average day. The lights must never go out. The music must always play. Lest they see where they are lost in a haunted wood, children afraid of the night who have never been happy or good. And the idea of that moment is in in the poem is that we are we are always trying to keep ourselves busy from thinking, from contemplating, from meditation. We keep ourselves busy with drinking and music and social experiences and social media. We are restless when our hearts actually need rest to defeat anxiety. Did that poem point to a solution or was it just point to the problem? He's more of an observationist. That's sad. <laughs> You're hopeless. Yeah. He actually did so, become a Christian later in life. He definitely yeah. should finish the poem. Yeah. He should. He's dead now. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, but I do wonder, yeah, how much, forget what you're watching, but the whole dynamic of looking at media footage, whether it's on your television or your phone, or your computer. I know that they say if you're looking at stuff right before you go to bed, you're going to have a hard time sleeping. So I wonder how much that does contribute to anxiety. Now, content, of course, is part of that. I mean, Ray, you've talked about how you just hate watching the news anymore because of yeah. all the just craziness on there. But, you know, you think about that. Maybe it's the, the mechanism itself. Maybe it's also the, the content as well. But have you guys ever done like a technology or electronics fast? You have, Oscar? Yeah. I did this morning for 15 minutes. I was at <laughs> the go? vet. It was the vet. I hated it. <laughs> yeah. I think Ray and Ken Ham would die yes. without their smartphones. Definitely. Yeah, very, very regularly. I've done like a three a weekend away from digital stuff uh when i'm on vacations with our with our family i don't hop online even in my regular rhythms i have the times in which i want to go on social media and then i also have all of my notifications off so if somebody comments on social media i have no idea and the reason why i do that is because i don't want my phone telling me when to go on social media did you get the text i sent you about that inheritance that came in the air to pick up by 3 p.m uh, with day? your ukrainian uncle yeah i sent him the 500 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no but you know for me it's it's sort of our, our phones tend to control our attention right. and we can limit that by removing us away from our phones or for me one thing that's been really helpful is just turning off all the notifications on my social media so that i i don't you know, if, if again, if somebody comments or whatever, yeah. I don't know. Oh. I won't know until I decide to go on. Yeah, there I could never have my notifications on for social media. You know, I do for text and phone, but not not social media. Yeah, yeah. So, Mark, talk about Philippians four six through seven. Uh, mm. Be anxious for nothing, 
But he could for, have done that without you. Oh, really? We, we're familiar with that. For one, all we? things, <laughs> by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your, your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I love the fact that we can give thanks for all things. We, we may not understand all things that are happening around us, but we can certainly give thanks knowing that God is in control. Edward Welch, he said, anxious and fearful people can easily slip into taking Scripture as a pill. And what he meant by that, he says... Somebody's going through something, and we say, oh, here's the pill for that. Here's the passage for that. Mm. So they take one passage twice a day for two weeks, and your symptoms are going to be gone. And then what happens when the pill doesn't work? Well, we have two choices. We search for another treatment, or we confess that we are using Scripture as a self-help book for symptom relief, Mm. in which case it is time to get back to the basics. If you choose, he goes on to say, To get back to biblical basics, Peter's exhortation to humble ourselves is a great place to start. And then he quotes 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7, that we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the proper time he will exalt us, casting all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. It is a continual moment-by-moment casting off of, it literally means to roll off of our shoulders onto his shoulders. Let him bear the weight. Let him bear the problem and the burden of what we're going through, that we take our load off of us and we put it onto him because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Uh, this is key in 1 Peter 5, 6-7, where it says to cast all of our anxieties or our cares on him, because Peter, and I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, Peter wasn't always like this. No. He did not always have that epiphany that we can cast all of our anxieties on the Lord. And we see that in Mark chapter 4, when it says in verse 38, but he was in the stern, Jesus, asleep on the cushion, and then they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Mm. So Peter went from a place of, Lord, do you do you care what we're going through? To, hey, gang, I've come to realize and to recognize experientially that we can literally cast every issue, every problem, every thought onto him. Why? Because he cares for us. Mm. And we see in Matthew uh, chapter 6 where it says to not worry about our lives. I like the way King Jimmy words it for this one. (laughs) King Jaime? He says, do not put a thought in your head about your life. So it's not just to not be anxious, but to not even entertain a single thought about your life. It's so great. And what was the catalyst in Peter's life to go from that anxious warrior doubting his savior to his confidence in in God? It was the resurrection and ascension. Mm -hmm. It was the fact that he saw a resurrected Jesus who had conquered sin and death and who promised to bring a kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And that goes into sort of the solutions. You know, we've talked about the things that make us anxious, modernity, technology. But I think I think that what we ought to do is try to orient our lives in such a way that point us to Christ through prayer and meditation, to meditate on the cross, to meditate on meditate on his promises. Medicate would work. Meditate <laughs> on God's goodness. Yeah, through prayer and meditation, through slowness to having time disconnected from technology and from music, uh, where you're just praying and communicating with God 
extended time. I'm not talking like I'm going to do five minutes real quick. I mean extended time because yeah, no it's coffee for, the, for days. No coffee for days. Yeah. I did no coffee until today. Oscar, uh, hallucinations about fake coffee flavors. Spending time in God's creation. Mm. Uh, I mean that. Like I think there's value in going on hikes to experience God's. He he gave it to us. Right. Uh, all the earth speaks of His glory. You lazy know, boy you know. in high definition. <laughs> lazy <laughs> boy in high definition. No, but I'm serious. We miss out on a blessing from God when we are disconnected from his creation. Right. Can you say something? No, I was just going to say, you watch a hummingbird in slow motion. It just, I just see the glory of God in that. Or you watch a high-speed flower bloom, and you think, how incredible yeah. God is. It, it explodes, your, uh, sp- explodes your fear of God and your wonder of God and your awe of God just to look at creation with a deliberation that you're going to give the glory where it's deserved. It's mm, good. Ray, uh, if you ever deal with anxiety, what would be the solution? And if you don't and you're perfect like me, how should people deal with anxiety? You really need to not strain at the net and swallow the camel. Just say, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. That's what you've mocked me for years. I don't care. You say something to me, I say, I don't care. And I really don't. I'd like to have a t-shirt that says, I don't care. And there's a lot of things that I care about the lost. I care about what God wants, but the rest of it, I really don't care. Care for nothing. Yeah. And that, that relieves you of of anxiety. Thomas Watson said, it's not our trust that keeps us, but the God in whom we trust Ooh, that keeps good. us. I love that. He was a Puritan. And William Carey, who was also a Puritan, said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. Hmm. So if Ooh. you see God's promises as being your lifeline that give you your life, then the future won't worry you. You know, I've always loved the description of the Proverbs 31 woman where it says, and she smiles at the future. It's such a beautiful attribute when you can look toward the future and smile. And every Christian can. There are some things about the future, of course, that should make us weep, like the plight of the unsaved, right? And the outcome of life for the lost. But when we think about our future in the Lord, you know, I was in Mississippi recently, as I talked about in the last podcast, and my friend uh, Dustin was was driving me somewhere down the street, and he he was oblivious to this because we were fellowshipping, but I was looking out the window and and the sun was, I think, maybe setting and there's beautiful light and it was it was on this forest. It was just an, a real idyllic kind of a scene. And I just, in an instant, envisioned eternity mm. and the undeniable reality that we are going to be with mm. the Lord forever in the new heavens and the new earth. And I just, I my eyes just teared up. It was like this overwhelming, like, gift from the Lord at that moment. Like, I'm going to, you know, we get so, we forget about that. We go about life. We're we're going to be in eternity with the Lord. With a new body. Yeah, six foot six with a hairy. That was coming, Jess. Yeah. (laughs) But it's true. It's just so wonderful. It's, I think, I I love that easy because it's not only, it's, it's a looking forward to, but it's also a breaking through. This one theologian who, um, whose commentary I respect, he talks about, how often we, we take a Gnostic view of heaven as though it's this faraway place beyond the clouds that we go to when we die. But he says, when, when Jesus prays, God, can you come on earth as it is in heaven, that there are these moments that become sacred moments. He says oh. like heaven and earth, there's like this gap between them. And every now and then that gap gets thin and it's almost as though they kiss. Hmm. And I think when you see a sunset or a sunrise, I think those, those moments when I'm, I'm sitting at home 
and I look up from the screen and I see my family laughing and joking with one another. Mm. When I find a note that my my nine-year-old wrote my 11-year-old before he leaves for his camping trip about how he's, she's going to miss him and love him and how she, she drew a picture for him of our family because she said in the note, when, when I'm homesick, I like looking at our family. So here's our family for you. You know, there's these sacred moments yeah. that God gives us that are a glimpse of what's to come, mm-hmm. of the beauty of what's to come. And the more we make our eyes available to see those things, the more that anxiety begins to dissipate. Yeah, amen. Hey, Mark, in, in connection with anxiety and the worry that's attached to it, there is a difference, isn't there, between worry and legitimate concern about things in life like that lead us to be responsible? Yeah, yeah I think you just answered it, right? So somebody once said, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, hmm. right? That when we come across something, as I shared with my wife yesterday, we went on a walk. We got our taxes done yesterday, and we owe eighty five hundred dollars. Mm. That I actually rejoiced. I, I was excited, you know, about it. Not knowing where that money's coming from, but I was excited because I didn't want to cheat on my taxes. And it's easy to be able to cheat on taxes to fudge the numbers. Yeah. And my tax lady you know, who's also your tax yeah, uh, lady. Which, which made me realize I, I owe more than you owe. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you guys set aside money during the year for taxes? Yeah, but 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 th- there were some changes that, that w- were overlooked on my part, but yeah. Yeah, so I, I rejoice because though I don't know where that money is going to come from, I'm excited because that's not my problem. Yeah. That's not my concern. My God shall provide all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He's not pacing back and forth. There's no sweat on his brow. We can be concerned to the degree, how do we practically work through this? How do we tighten the belt? I don't need to be fearful or anxious over anything. I'm not to have an anxious thought, you know, concerning anything like that. So I remind my wife and my kids all the time, whatever it is, this thing, whatever that thing is, is not an issue. It's a stepping stone to get us to where we need to be. Amen. Accept it and rejoice in the midst of it. Yeah. I think we miss out on the simple remedy. I mean, in in Philippians 4 that we just read, be anxious for nothing, but for all things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So prayer is the answer. Jerry Bridges said this. uh, This? (laughs) He said this. Jerry Bridges said this. Jerry Bridges said this, the great antidote to anxiety is to come to God in prayer. We are to pray about everything. Nothing is too big for him to handle and nothing is too small to escape his attention. And I I honestly think one of the biggest contributing factors to our anxiety is we don't pray about everything. We don't take everything to the Lord in prayer. And let me add this, even when we do sometimes, we don't pray in faith. And look, we are so traumatized by all the fake word faith stuff that I think we, we veer away from even using the word faith because we don't want to be like, oh, what are you talking about? Faith, brother, what are you talking about? I think that's a biblical concept, right? Not in the abused and twisted way that the word faith preachers talk about. But of course, we're to have faith. Right? I mean, even James tells us when we're asking for wisdom, let him ask in faith without any doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let that man expect that he will receive nothing from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So 
We have, to, we have to remember that. We do need to have faith. And what happens is this. It's like you go into it and you just determine you're going to believe. And then the anxiety starts to come upon you. And then you experience the benefits of having believed the Lord. And then you live in a way that demonstrates that you believe it. That's good. But oftentimes we come before the Lord and, oh, Lord, we, we have this sack of anxiety on our yeah. back. And Lord, I put this at your feet. We put it down. And Lord, I give it to you. And we do all these like, you know, big, bold, audacious prayers. And then we say, in Jesus' name, amen. We stand up and we hoist the bag of anxieties right back on our shoulders and we walk away with it after prayer. No, prayer has a benefit. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Yeah, just on what you're saying, I wonder if David had any idea with his experiences that he went through, so much suffering, that his writings would be such a tonic for mm. those yeah. 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 years later that we go through anxiety. Let me read Psalm 55, verse 4 to 6, and mm. open it just a little. My heart is... <laughs> I can't stand <laughs> right it. Back sort of at humor. You, right. Yeah. Listen to his words, though. My heart is severely pained within me, and the Terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me. And hasn't enough, he says, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had the wings like a dove. I'd fly away and be at rest. And then down in verse 16, it says, as for me, I will call upon God, prayer, and the Lord shall save me, faith. Hmm. Verse 17, evening and morning and at noon, I'll pray and cry aloud, prayer, and he shall hear my voice faith. Verse 18, he has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. That's the cross. He's redeemed my soul. And that's the the continual comfort. The cross is an eternal statement of the love of God for my soul. It's always there. It's just right in my forefront. The cross is there. This is evidence of his love. God commanded his love toward us and while we had sinners. And that should be our, Christ died for us. That should be our eternal consolation. And I think David, in order for him to be able to write a psalm like that and to pray a prayer like that, he understood his position before God. As Christians, we are adopted sons and daughters When we go before God in prayer, we go before our Father who loves us, who knows us. And the reason why I bring that up is because often I think we go before God in the same way we go before a tax person. How much do I owe you? How bad is this going to hurt? What's the cost going to be? And the cost because of the cross has already been paid. As sinners, we go before God in that kind of a way. But as saints, we go before God as sons and daughters to a father in heaven who holds all of creation in his hands. And we need to have that confidence that he is sovereign and that he wills good in our lives. You know, I love that, you know, confidence. You break it down in the Latin, con fide, con is with, fide is faith. (laughs) Right, we go to God with confidence, with faith mm. that uh, He is who He is, and He's going to do what He wants to do. Mm. Yeah, Isaiah twenty six three. I've shared it before. Mm. You will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because He trusts in you. Right? Again, we reflect whatever object we're focusing on, and every object beside the Lord is an uncertain object, which means that you and your composure will be uncertain because it may go well. And then it may not go well. But if you're focused on the Lord, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. His attributes are always constant. And his love for you, his faithfulness toward you, his unwavering provision for your life in accordance with his will, 
is stable. So keep your mind on him. Don't let it turn to all those other things. It could go well or could go bad. Look to him and trust in him. Also, it tells us in the Proverbs, he who heeds the word wisely will find good and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. I like something that you share with me easy when I go to share somewhere. Mm. You say, uh, you know, it's going to work out. It always has. It always will. Amen. You know, uh, I read a quote today. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. Right. (laughs) How are things going today? Yeah. Right? Well, fine. Well, today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. But then we're worried about the tomorrow that's coming up tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, and look, friends, those of you listening, we know that there, there is a host of things for you to be anxious over. Like I mentioned earlier, you've got, you know, issues with work, provision, money, your children, your health, the world economy, COVID jive and other (laughs) sorts of things, natural disasters, wars, nuclear uh, destruction, all of that. I mean, well, now I feel anxious. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about all those things. (laughs) I was feeling great. Thanks for reminding (laughs) me. 30 seconds ago. Yeah, we we know, we understand and we, we sympathize, but you just have to remember that you can't do much about most of those things, but you could do a lot by coming before the Lord and laying your cares at his feet and then being about his business. I mean, just take this as an example. Think of all the things you worried about over the course of your lifetime. And here you are right now listening to our voice. You're most likely uh, well-fed. You're in the right state of mind. You're clothed. You're okay. And if you pass, you go into the presence of the Lord. So in a sense, as a Christian, you're invincible because God guards you, guides you, protects you. And even when things don't go in the way you wanted them to, God uses them for the good. Remember Luke 12, it says in beginning of verse 22, then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. And then he goes on to talk about the ravens and the, the flowers of the field. God is our provider. God is our protector. Anxiety is really paralyzing. When you worry about yesterday and you worry about tomorrow, then you waste today because yesterday and tomorrow do not exist. They're figments of the imagination. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow isn't here and may not ever get here for you. You may go to be with the Lord before that even happens. And when you're at peace, you maximize your effectiveness. You're useful. You, you share the gospel with people. You take time to love your family and your friends and your enemies. And you become a bright, shining light. And you become the flavor-filled salt that God wants you to be in this world. So there you have it. Anxiety attacked. All right, friends, thanks for joining us. Remember to check out the flip book for life and the evidence study Bible at livingwaters.com, podcast at livingwaters.com with thoughts and comments. And don't forget to go to your favorite podcast platform and comment and leave ratings. Yes, friends, still five stars by God's grace. One of the top podcasts in the world because of your support. Help us keep it going. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast where we have no idea what we're doing.
Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.